What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleep Hog Worldwide Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, a.k.a. Sleep Dog, next to the Big Hulk. What's up, SHWW? It's the Big Dog. Uh, got a lot of stuff to unfold today. Um, Bachelorette kicked off. Bachelor kicked off. Yeah, and we can't wait to talk about it. It's a whole game changer. As much shit as I talked about the Bachelorette, I'm all in it for uh, for the Bachelor. Uh, our girl Victoria, I mean, Lord of mercy. Like, all we can hope for as the Sleep Hawk Worldwide podcast continues along is that this girl stays around as long as possible because she's out of this world crazy. Which one is Victoria? The queen. The queen. Oh, man. As soon as I saw she made the cut, I said, okay, this is, they want to spark it up a bit. There's no reason she should be on here. She's honestly, um, there was more qualified girls that looked better, in my opinion, and uh, somebody I would take home to the parents. As we discussed last episode, uh, the queen, um, Victoria, uh, she would not get to um, meet the parents at home visit. No chance. And 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 I just want to tease this because there's so much to go into there that we don't even want to give that to you yet. We're going to make all the women that are listening fast forward through the part because the other drama was in the NFL uh, and it just so happened to be, um, you know, my unfortunate, unfortunately, my favorite team at the Washington football team, whatever you want to call them, I won't get offended because call them anything but a winner uh, usually. But, you know, they're in this rare position where uh, they have a chance somehow uh, to make the playoffs. And only in Washington football fashion, it is, uh, you know, basically just in a dustpan, right? So, but here's the thing. It's got everybody up in arms is that, uh, you know, how Philadelphia handled the second half, really the fourth quarter of that game. For those of you who don't know, any of those of you don't like don't know what football is or something, they've been hiding under a rock. Washington's in the game. They're up by three. Uh, the way that things fall out in the NFC East is whichever team, if if Washington loses, then they are going to be six and ten, and so is the winner of the Dallas and Giants game, which was also on Sunday, which just happened to be uh, the Giants. And either of those two teams, whoever was going to win that game, Dallas or, or, or New York, was going to be 6-10. and 10. They were Either one was going to have a tiebreaker over Washington. So if Washington loses, whoever won the Dallas-New York game is in the playoffs. Of course, if, da- if, if Washington wins, they're 7-9, and nine, so they have one more, one more win than anybody else, and they you know, make the playoffs <laughs> home field game as a division winner, probably one of the worst uh, playoff teams in the history of football. Washington's winning. A game's going back and forth. It is an ugly football game. Nothing looks too set in stone. And then sort of inexplicably, in the fourth quarter, maybe even like in the third quarter, Philadelphia's coach, Doug Peterson, pulls Jalen Hurts out of the game and puts in some dude who, like, I could play quarterback in the NFL if this guy can. And then Philadelphia proceeds to lose the game. So it's been everywhere. Everybody's talking about it uh, and leading into the playoffs. Like everybody's still bitter. I have my own thoughts about it, but I'm curious to see what you think first. Big up. First of all, it seems like Philly has been an absolute shit show from the beginning of the year. There's more drama in Philly than there is if you take the bachelor and bachelorette and combine them. It's like, um, you know, Carson Wentz, who potentially at one point was the best player in the league, made an MVP run. Now he's no longer worthy of a uh, starting job in Philly. And then you have their head coach who can't commit to a quarterback. And then you have um, Jalen Hurts, 
who looked pretty good. And then uh, you pull them the last game like you did. Um, but I get it. I mean, they're out of the playoffs. So what they're doing is basically they don't have a quarterback right now. Uh, they're not happy with anybody. So why not test some guys out in game situations and see what they do under pressure? There's always that hidden gemstone um, you know, that no one really knows about. Kurt Warner was bagging groceries, and then they just pulled him out. And look what he did for the Rams. Uh, back in my day, I'm from Missouri, big Rams fan. I watched that, but I'm not saying that they're going to find a Kurt Warner, but I mean, at this point, what do they have to lose? But if it is true that they threw this game on purpose, so, um, what is it? The giants couldn't get into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, listen, you handle your business and you don't worry about anybody else in pro sports. You put me on that field. I'm trying to win games regardless. And I don't care if we're in the playoffs or out of the playoffs. That's a losing mentality, no matter where you're from. And so, no, I don't like the move. Um, I don't like it at all. I don't like it one bit. And so here's the beef, right? And, and you make you know good sense is if they were truly evaluating this guy, I can't even remember, Seldman or something. Like I mean, it's so bad. Like I mean, I'm supposed to know this guy's name, you know, and act like I I've I've actually researched this, which I haven't. Um, if they were trying to evaluate him, you can't really argue, right? But the deal, the deal is, it goes back to what you said about Carson Wentz, is everybody knows what Philadelphia has now is a problem on their hands for next year between Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts, right? And so now what's happening is you've got a, a, a effectively a winner-go-home game for your opponent, which makes you know the stakes higher for your own team. Uh, you got already, other players are already sitting this game out, and you got Jalen Hurts in the game with an opportunity to lead his team in a game that matters in a fourth quarter comeback situation. He's only played three games. He's done very well. I think he's kind of like a poor man's uh, Kyler Murray. Uh, definitely an, an intriguing option at quarterback, and that's really the rub. Is everybody's like your evaluation is between Hurts and Wentz. Everybody's pissed about the Hertz or the Wentz situation. Here's your opportunity to evaluate Hertz. Not only do you choose not to do that, but then there's these implications that uh, you know you, you you pull the plug in a game that matters to your division. It matters to players that are trying to win. It matters for pride match for all these other things. It's classic Philadelphia bullshit. But this is my thing about the Giants complaining. Like, dude, you won six games, and as a as as a Washington football team fan, um. If if I were a, if if it were Washington that that happened to, I would be like pissed, right? Like, oh, that sucks. But I would be like, hey, we're six and ten. What did I expect? So, I mean, there's no love loss for any of the teams in the whole division. And I think it's really the cool part is it's one of the one of the only divisions in sports where everybody just legitimately hates each other. And I mean, you got the Yankees and like Boston like don't like each other, and in like basketball, there's like. Other, you know, there's rivalries and stuff, but very few like divisions where literally everybody hates each other, and this is one of them. And fuck the Giants, dude! You 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 won six games. You have no argument whatsoever. This is part of the problem with divisions because I feel like there's better football teams in other divisions. If you want a true champion that deserved to be in that playoff spot, but backing up to what you do in Philly, 
I'll just give you my personal breakdown. You go in there and you fire the coach. Okay. He's a, he's the leader of this shit show. Okay. He couldn't even name. I saw the press conference where he's like, I can't name a quarterback right now. And I get it that you're trying to fight for this job, but Carson Wentz doesn't deserve that as somebody who was almost MVP in professional sports. You don't do that to a more veteran quarterback that has done a lot for the city and football team. You show him more respect than that. Not to mention they have him under contract for a lot of money. And so they're not just going to dump that salary. I mean, what do you do? And so what you do here is you see this, you saw this with the Rams. They get rid of Steve Fisher. Oh, Jared Goff comes on. You get rid of the head coach for the uh, the Browns. Now you see Baker Mill- May- uh, yeah, Mayfield playing very well. So a lot of quarterbacks don't play well under certain head coaches. You see this with Mitch, a resurgence of Mitch uh, late in the season. Hell, nobody can play when their head coach doesn't have confidence in them. And I don't blame Carson for being pissed. I would try to get out of there. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve that. And so where Philly goes from here is you come in, you fire the coach, and you get a coach in there that believes in the quarterback, or you just have an all-out shit show again, and you have a quarterback fighting for the position uh, next year. But uh, back to your point, the Washington Football Club uh, – Moving on to here, now that they made the playoffs, uh, I watched a story on uh, Alex Smith. Yeah. I mean, this guy has my heart, not to mention Ron Rivera and what he's done for Carolina Carolina Panthers, but to go on to have cancer, keep coaching during COVID, and come out there and do chemo and what he's been through. Um, and then you have the Alex Smith story, uh, almost amputating the leg, coming back, having a great year, making the playoffs. I'm pulling for this team. Yeah, man. I mean, hell, he, 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 I mean, I think it's a little bit embellished, but hell, who am I to say? But, you know, damn, talk about he could have died, Alex Smith. Uh, it was a gruesome hit. I saw it. It was reminiscent. My dad was around when Joe Theismann got hit by UNC alum Lawrence Taylor. And he said, I remember him telling me that uh, even back then you could hear Joe Theismann's leg break on TV, and it was just as gnarly as as uh, apparently in the in the Alex Smith situation. And it's weird because you know six months ago, the Washington football team was on the tail end of just being a circus. I mean, you had these sexual assault allegations. You get rid of your your coach. You know, uh, there's all this stuff about Snyder and these parties and the sexual harassment and all that sort of stuff. So I don't know what to, you know, whether to cheer for him or what, but, you know, it is nice that they at least seem to have uh, turned around that storyline somewhat. And, and they go up against, they go up at home against Tom Brady uh, and the Bucks, and they, they're literally like an eight point underdog at home in the playoffs, uh, which is just sheer embarrassment. But like, man, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll find out if God likes football on uh, <laughs> on Saturday when they play each other. Yeah, I mean, that's why they play the game. I mean, uh, I'm pulling for him. It's tough to pull for him when you know they got Tom Brady sitting on the other end. I mean, that guy's had a lot of success, but uh, it's one game, and anything can happen. So uh, it seems like they've got the world's heart, to be honest with you. I know it sounds a little too sentimental, but I'm pulling for him. I'd like to see it happen. It would be great. Um, I yeah, it would be a miracle. I don't know if I don't know the last time Washington has won a football or won a playoff game. It's been a long damn time, that's for sure. I think we've only been three or four times less since nineteen. This is when the Super Bowl in nineteen ninety two, uh, which I barely remember. But another big game 
that you know was a a, a winner go home one and done situation and also a shorthanded situation Tar Heels Orange Bowl I thought we played well um you know we uh we were in the game and we were we were out man like we had a lot of guys on the shelf uh obviously we talked about on the last pod about going into the NFL draft and and we went way into like why why we totally understood that I was proud of how they played I think we set um you know, we set a, a really good foundation for the future in terms of recruiting. I think we got a, a, a you know, Sam Howell is, is uh, I think, second favorite to win the Heisman next year already, uh, which, you know, I don't understand why I didn't get more looks this year, at least like in the conversation. I'm not even talking about getting invited to the thing, but like, I mean, this guy's so good and no one was talking about it. And, and, and UNC is not good without him on the field. So uh, you see guys come out of like, Wyoming or these random places and they're in the Heisman Trophy conversation, you know, even when they're young. So, I mean, it was only right. You knew it had to happen when he, cause Sam will be a, a, a junior next year. So he's only a sophomore and you kind of understand, but it's going to be really fun next year, especially if we can get back and watch some games uh, to watch him sort of have his chance in the spotlight. Yeah. I'm watching, I'm looking forward to watching this kid grow. Um, he's ultra talented, ultra, ultra competitive. And uh, I really like the fight in him. And I think the fact that he didn't get the recognition that we all think he deserves is going to put that much more of a chip on his shoulder to prove people wrong. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and uh, one thing I will say is I feel like he embraces the community. I think he embraces the university in a right way. And he's everything that we want Tar Heels to be. And also, I think the football team represented us well. Um, I'm not the biggest college football fan, but I thought they went out there well, and I was glad to see him compete. And we saw a lot of young guys that we normally don't get to see because some guys were, you know, sitting out and taking care of themselves. But, um, you know, it was good to see him on that stage. And, you know, Mac has a lot of encouraging things for this football program and for the fans to look forward to. Yeah, I think Mac is uh, is just a godsend, man. And I think Sam is going to be probably the one guy when he's gone. Um you know, that UNC hangs its hat on. It's, it's crazy. It might sound crazy to say, but I mean, I think he's going to be like the Jordan over football team. I really think he's that good. I really think he's going to be that good next year. I think he's going to be that good in the NFL. Um, you know, he reminds me a lot of like watching Drew Brees, man. He's got a lot of heart and a lot of guys around him love him. They're all winning. You know, they've been winning since he got here. That's a, you know, that makes things a lot easier. But it's going to be really fun to watch. Got some weapons coming back. We got great recruiting classes. We got great uh, pieces on defense. So that should improve. I mean, Mac Brown is going to be more and more uh, ingrained in what we're doing here. And, and, and there's stability in the program. You know, we can go out there and expect to win games and expect to compete at this point next year. You know, especially after everybody sees Trevor Lawrence is gone, Clemson goes down. They, they didn't look great this year. They lost to Notre Dame. Granted, Lawrence didn't play. They lost, just got freaking thunderstruck by Ohio State which was a whole different story there but they look beatable now and, and I think there's a you know we almost beat them last year and you know I think it's setting up next year because we'll play them we play them on an alternate uh, schedule so you know we're going to see how good we are against them at some point in the season I don't know if the schedules come out yet but it's gonna be a fun fun season I think we can compete and you know I'm looking forward to it but um you know for now we'll just uh put football to bed because nobody cares anymore basketball <laughs> Uh, you know, Hey, look, we squeaked a couple out. I don't think we look great. I'll be hundred percent honest with you. Uh, I have YouTube TV. So the Georgia tech game, they didn't even show. And then, uh, 
after I gave Lindsay all this credit, my girlfriend, uh, yesterday I was at her place, you know, we we're doing the dinner thing, you know, I'm just like trying to play it cool, got the Carolina game on. She couldn't like, she cares less about sports than like the queen of England. Right. And I am sitting there, you know, kind of watching the game and she's like, can we change it? And I'm like, this is when you hit a crossroads in the relationship. Right. I'm like, Oh boy. Like, do I want to get us in our first argument over, uh, you know, got to draw a line in the sand. Yeah. Don't cross it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we might have to sit down and have a conversation. <laughs> um, this probably isn't the best form to do it. Uh, because I probably want to say something that I got to oh, come back man, to haunt me. But funny. yeah, dude, it was a tough conversation to have. But, you know, so we compromised and I changed the channel. Yeah, I mean, you know, you win some battles and you lose some. And there's, there's some that just aren't worth fighting for. We'll turn the Duke game off or like state game off or, you know, I just feel like I really like this is a good season for me to, you know, really secure and really tether down the relationship so that like, you know, when you're like early on in a relationship, you don't know, man, like one argument might be it might be over, you know? And so I'm thinking, hmm, Miami, it's like 16 to 14 with about six minutes to go in the first half. Not exactly a barn burner here. Like, can I sacrifice this game for the good of my relationship? And I think, you know, uh, it was a strategic move. It was one I didn't want to make. It was one I had to make um, and a move I ultimately made. And uh, what I'm getting at here is I can't really break down the basketball game because I didn't see any of it. Um, we were watching reruns of Arrested Development on Netflix. Good alternative, but, you know, not Carolina. Yeah, that's it, that new love. You know, when you when you really make those sacrifices for your relationship, you know, here in about five years, six, seven years. Hey, can we watch something else? Listen, we have all day to watch something else. Mm-hmm. I want one in I want 75 minutes, maybe 90 minutes if it goes into an overtime. I just want to watch my Tar Heels play. So let's coordinate around that. But no, the, that first year or two, oh, absolutely. This is a boring game anyways. What do you want to watch? Let's watch uh, Grey's Anatomy, yeah. uh, you know, SVU, NCIS, whatever. On? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, let's sit down. Hey, what is that? Uh, is that a red or you want white wine tonight? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's some things that you just uh, don't lose. And here in about three your sleep you'll have that combo well and 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 just so everybody out there knows that i'm not just a super simp here uh this is this is the groundwork that i laid so obviously if you listen to the pot at all you know big hawk and i are just you know huge golfers right so here's what i did you know she knows i'm a good uh good wow almost really messed up there and says she knows i'm a good golfer uh i haven't i haven't told that lie um but what i did a little little white lie i did tell is you know she kind of wanted to go play some golf the other day you know just sort of like fun she kind of want to see what i do this that and the other so you know where i took her i know where you you already told me where you took her i took her to night's play you know why i did that i would love to know because night's play is 27 holes (laughs) she doesn't know that golf is only 18 holes so me being the quick thinker that i am i was like i'll take her to night's play i'll tell her that this is a golf course. It's for those of you who don't know, Knights plays like a local course here in Raleigh. I mean, this is like your goat track, but it's a par three course. It's fun to go out there. I mean, you pace of play, just fucking ball it up, throw it out the window. There's, there's children out there, all kinds of stuff. But it's a fun place to just go hack around and have a good time. And, and if you're, you know, occasionally just get just throttled out there. It's a putt putt, then Knightsdale, and then a golf course. Yeah, exactly. Well, 
but it also has 27 holes. So, guys out there, hey, listen, man, this is my bag of tricks. Take her out there. She doesn't know a lot about sports. She thinks golf is 27 holes. I go out with the boys. I'm like, hey, it's 27 holes. I'll be back in about eight hours, right? So, I mean, I think it's a strategic move. Speaking of like, you know, so I had to juxtapose that against like, do I change the channel? Like, I'm going to need to, you know, rely on this 27 hole little, you know, slight fabrication at some point um, too. So, you know, I just think that was a great, um, I mean, chestnut checkers, man, the King's Gambit out here, Sleep's Gambit. Uh, and, um, you know, the best part was she got cold and we only had to stay for like six. And I was like, wow, yeah, it's crazy because she kept asking how much longer it's going to take. I was just like a lot longer. I mean, golf is an all-day affair. Um, and I told her, I was like, you know, it's really hard out here without any alcohol. And, uh, you know, there's just there's just a lot to golf that you don't understand. And so I'm just laying the groundwork, you know, uh, very strategically to capitalize this spring. Do you think she – does she know about the switch? I didn't show her the switch, man. I didn't. I couldn't flip the switch on her. Yeah, you'll flip the switch here in about two years. Yeah, I mean, but also, I think she's probably going to flip the switch when she realizes it's actually eighteen holes. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is I've heard this in the locker room, and you know, this is uh, the eleventh commandment: never talk about what's in the locker room. But someone said one time, "Yeah, take up golf. When else is the when?" When is your wife ever going to let you leave the house for five hours and not ask you where you're going? Just tell her you're going to play golf. Take up golf. And uh, I was like, dang, holy shit. Man, this guy's smart. And I was like, yeah, take up golf. Yeah, I got a buddy of mine that told me that trick. We had a golf course near the house, near my old house that was three nine-hole courses. And I think it might have been after they were married before his wife ever realized that golf wasn't really 27 holes. I was like, this is the most brilliant thing anyone has ever done. So I'm going to take it. Um, you know, so anyway, it went well, uh, you know, UNC game, didn't see it. Uh, we won. That's about all you can ask for these days. I think we won two in a row now. Uh, you know, some people, big Hawk thinks we're going to be a second half team. I think, you know, we, uh, I'd love to see that happen. And, you know, Dayron have some great games out there. I mean, still Andrew Playtech, man, he's hitting, I did see he hit the game winner. I mean, shout out, uh, but. God bless, man. You can't count on many of those, I don't think. Yeah, so we beat Notre Dame at home, and then we go on to beat uh, Miami, down in Miami. But the one thing about the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game is, listen, we're winning these uh, these games uh, kind of at the end. We're taking them down to the wire. But what we're seeing is we're seeing a turn in uh, kind of going from last year's from like – okay, no, we're not going to lose games. We're going to take what it takes. We're going to do what it takes to win. And that's a big deal because once you start winning games and you start seeing the excitement in the players, I think we're going to start basketball becomes fun. Then the kids want to go in the gym and work. Then they want to do all these things. The great thing I saw in the Notre Dame game is Dayron. I saw him play with passion. I saw him get rebounds and I saw him fight for the win. And I haven't seen that much uh, of recently in the past, I would say starting back last year to this year. And I'm really starting to see a lot of passion 
kind of in spurts with guys. And I think once we start winning, it becomes fun and kids don't get discouraged after every single mistake. I think you're going to see a really good basketball team. I said, this team is going to be a second half basketball team. One, because they're young and they haven't played much with each other. And I think the more they play, the more they grow. And it's going to take a while for these freshmen to really develop like we want them to and to get used to conference play or, um, you know, the the um, the talent that the ACC brings at the college level. No longer they're the best player in the gym every single game. So I think that's really going to help us as they grow. And then we go down to Miami and uh, Playtech plays really well. Um, Leaky. Um, Leaky Black hits. I don't know what he was from the three-point line, but he went off from the three-point line. He made some shots, and that was big for us. And, uh, you know, we all saw Playtech. Playtech has been playing with passion. Looks like he's enjoying it. It's really um, good to see. But also I will say one thing is um, on Garrison, the one thing is, and I saw it, um, after my freshman year a little bit is when you get this absurd amount of hype leading up into um, a season or something, you put these unrealistic expectations on yourself. So the media has given Garrison all this hype, preseason ACC player of the year, unanimously voted on. And then he starts reading into this. And then you see, you know, and this is every college kid. You start reading what people say. You have a bad bad game. You overthink it. And now all of a sudden before the year, you buy into this hype and you're this, you want to be this perfect player. And then all of a sudden, all these mistakes keep piling up and it's just no longer fun. I think Garrison's going to break through this funk. And I think what he needs to do is listen to himself and listen to the coaches and just kind of have this mentality where, listen, no longer am I listening to the media. No longer am I listening to these outside expectations. I'm human. I make mistakes and I'm going to play for this team and I'm just going to enjoy playing basketball. And that's when I think Garrison's going to come back and be the player that we all want him to be. Yeah, man. I think, uh, like we talked about before, I think he's a, uh, He's a talented dude, and I'm excited because that means the best is yet to come, and that means we're going to get good at the right time. It means we don't have a lot of pressure in terms of, you know, seeding and any of this other crap. Like it's going to be a wild year anyway, given everything that's going on. And it would be great to see. And you know, I got to start uh, figuring out how I'm going to get, uh, you know, carve out those couple hours whenever the games are on. Um, maybe have to uh, buy another TV or something. Yeah, but we talked about this. Uh, Playtech. Playtech, um, I know he's caught a lot of heat from people not wanting to be the player that he – like people want him to be better. Mm-hmm. Okay, but Playtech has come in and played these past two games. He has played well for us. He's shown energy. He's uh, come in, provided a spark, and he's hit some big shots. And it's good to see that you know, his excitement, him smiling, and people enjoying basketball. And one thing you see in college kids is they get discouraged. Okay, when they don't score, they seem to put their head down and get discouraged. There's so much more to a basketball game than just just scoring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said before, as Jay Billis, I was watching the game and he talked about it. Listen, I mean, scoring is such a small part of the game. Obviously, it wins you games, but – rebounding, defense, energy, hustle, moving without the ball. All these are important aspects of the game. And I know I'm probably boring a lot of people out there, but this is just as important as scoring. Okay. So 
Playtech to me has come in. He's provided a, a defensive spark, energy, and I love to see that Armando's playing well. He's playing with a purpose. He's playing with passion too, and that's what I want to see these guys go out there and just compete, have fun, and play with passion. Yeah, I think uh, it remains to be seen. I'm excited about you know the potential. I mean, we still got plenty of, plenty of time left. Um, you know, and and the one thing about Playtech in particular is like. I mean, man, he's growing. I mean, there's always a guy on that on the team that seems to, you know, surprise a lot of people that just sort of chips away at it year after year. I mean, Luke May was that guy, you know. I mean, I don't see Playtech being a Luke May by any means, but man, there were times early on where everybody was like, God, Luke May's in the game. And then, you know, everybody loves a winner, and that dude's definitely a fucking winner. So, um, you know, you're right, man, and and it's it's obviously unfair to really criticize any of these people from my perspective because you ought to see me play basketball. But you know, it's just obviously uh, from a fan's perspective, these are some of the frustrations just verbalized uh, that you go come across, and you know, you live and die by these games as a fan. And um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me that I'm having to adjust to is that you know, at first for the first part of the season, it's like you know, this team's just not as fun as it used to. Be. We're not scoring ninety. 90 points a game and stuff like that. We're not really running. We're not really scoring the same volume you're used to seeing these great teams play. But that's really just this unfair sort of comparison that I tend to have, probably most fans. Every year's not going to be 05. Every year's not going to be 09. You know, 17 won the championship, and it was like that team was kind of boring, you know? But then you look back in retrospect and you realize, okay, they had some great shooters. They had some great, like, everyone really knew their role in those teams and guys, like we were talking about last, uh, like last pot, I think it was Justin Jackson. Some of these guys really stepped up and became great players. And, um, you know, and, and unfortunately, you don't quite, I think, appreciate as a fan some of that stuff until it's gone. But all the you know the mechanics of what's important in basketball are, are also important to, to illustrate and understand, which is that, hey, man, it's about a lot more than scoring. And uh, it does seem that and, and I'll get off of this, but, you know, these guys are finding ways to win basketball games. And I think early in the season, they were finding ways to lose basketball games. So that's a good transition. Uh, for them to see and you know you just got to be patient with some of these guys and and uh, remember that Roy's formula seems to be um, you know give me a couple guys that are going to stay here yeah you know having Dayron is great uh, and I'll probably have a Dayron next year and the year after that but the core fund the core group is the one we got to keep around and keep building and if I mean if we're competing every five years for a championship I mean we're doing a hell of a lot better than most most programs yeah we're lucky to have coach Williams on the sideline I know he's getting older in age but and as the basketball game is for is changing somewhat, uh, Coach Williams is staying true to his fundamentals, his basic um, you know offensive and defensive beliefs, which I really respect because you see these you see you see it pay off. He's hung three banners. Um, he's not just hemorrhaging three point shots, which seems to be the new style of basketball. But when you break it down. Um, we're going inside, we're attacking, you know, the highest percentage shot in basketball is a, uh, uncontested layup. Second highest percentage shot in basketball is a free throw. So we're getting a lot of those when we play coach Williams style basketball and these freshmen have never run like coach Williams want them, wants him, wants them to run. So what they have to do is they have to buy into the system because the system has proven this is the same system. Kirk Heinrich, um, 
Nick Collison, Drew Gooden, Sean May, Jawad Williams, Tyler Zeller, you know, all these guys in this program, these bigs, these guards, Ty Lawson, Marcus Page, Kendall, all these guys, John Henson, you can name it. I mean, just name those players that he has coached and recruited and gotten to this program. You see the success. And so why would you change? And I think in basketball, what you're seeing now is you're seeing people trying to coach a system that they don't know based on analytics. Oh, we're going to shoot threes because it's the highest percentage shot in basketball, but they've never done that. And so they're doing it at at an unrealistic style because they don't know how to coach it. This is a great question that I, well, um, at least I think it's a great question because I'm about to ask it, but that I would love to ask Coach Williams. You'll know the answer and could probably speak to it better than most people, but it would be interesting to hear from his perspective because as you're you're saying all these things, it sort of occurs to me that the real like crazy piece in this whole thing is like not only does Coach Williams have a system, right, and a method, but it's hard. Sometimes it goes – this is like so obvious what I'm about to say, but it's easy to overlook – is that he spends all these resources recruiting pieces that fit that system, I would assume, right? So, like, he knows he wants, you know, that's why he still sort of uh, recruits the same types of players every single year, I would imagine. And so he's not, so, so look, you're invested in that system. And if that system gets off to a rocky start, you know, this year or, or previous years, I mean, you still recruited these players because they fit your system and then you need them to play under and, and not all of a sudden say, well, we're, uh, you know, we're two and five to start the season. So let's figure out how we're going to take these players that I recruited to fit in this system, do something different. Um, and that would be a really interesting thing to hear from his perspective when and where he's had to recognize and make those adjustments and the limits to which he will, you know, walk up to like, Hey, I'm going to change this, but this is what I'm sticking true to. And I'd be interested to know your thoughts on that too. Well, first of all, if, if you look at, um, a a really talented basketball player can play in any system. And so when I say system for coach Williams, it's not like the Princeton offense, and I know a lot of our listeners don't know what the Princeton offense is, where you put two bigs basically at the elbow, and then you just run guards around them, and you do a lot of movement. No, it's not like a system system. Coach Williams runs up and down the, the floor. He has a secondary offense, which basically means a fast break set offense before the defense is set, basically, um, and try to get things movement, try to get an early shot. So basically, what Coach Williams does is – he gives, in my opinion, he gives his players more freedom probably than any other coach. When you run a fast-paced offense that gets up a lot of shots and plays fast, you're going to have the ability and freedom to do a lot of different things. Now, how you do those things comes uh, with discipline, learning the style of offense, and what's a good shot and what's a bad shot and know when to take that shot. So I think that's a system that I'm talking about. But when you look at Coach Williams, one thing Coach Williams is very good at is he's very good at evaluating talent. So when he goes and sees a kid, you know, he may be recruiting one kid, but his radar is always on. And so if he sees a kid good enough that he didn't go there to recruit, I mean, he might start recruiting him Mm -hmm. because he can see something in there in that kid that can fit that style or, you know, see potential. It's interesting perspective. Um, yeah, the Princeton offense, I feel like maybe we should go to Princeton to understand what that means. It's funny because it brings back flashbacks of us like running secondary break in high school. Like my coach was like worship Dean Smith and 
dude, you want to talk about some players that didn't fit the system. You're looking at one of them. And it was crazy. You try to get us to run all like Dean Smith's offense. I'm like, bro, we can't, we couldn't throw the ball in a freaking in the ocean. And uh, if we're standing on the, on the bow of the Mayflower. So, um, you know, anyway, it's, it's, it's interesting. It'll be really great to see how the rest of the season unfolds. And obviously as, you know, diehard Tar Heel fans, um, we have high hopes for, for, for positive outcomes. The, but let's get to it. Let's, let's just be honest with ourselves. The real season that we can't wait to see how it unfolds is the bachelor. And man, that shit delivered. I am hook line sinker. Uh, any of you guys out there, I'm going to say this. I've said it a thousand times. I've said a thousand one. If you're not watching this shit, you're, I think you're bullshitting everybody, including yourself. If you say you don't watch it. And if you only, you know, the answer to that question, but if you really don't, you should start. I mean, dude, bachelorette, I'll give you that one. You can, you can skip that season, but man, I'm all in for the bachelor. This is pure comedy. Um, so I knew the season was going to be uh, interesting. Um, first of all, when the vibrator girl came on and wow. at some point, know your limits. Like, do you want to be known as the girl that brought a vibrator on the bachelor? Listen, this is a nationally telecasted, you know, this is the national airways here. And why in the hell would you do like who in the hell thought that was a good idea? Mm. I don't remember her name, but yeah, I don't even know. And after about like, five seconds of it. I don't even think she thought it was a good idea anymore, but she was like, I got to stick with it. Yeah. I mean, she's not meeting the parents. Mm-mm. You crazy. Nah, you got to watch out for that one. She was, uh, and, and the bad part was, is she seemed fun. She seemed sort of bubbly. Her personality seemed good. She was cute. Uh, but yeah, she like, like it wasn't funny and she just wouldn't let it die. And of course, one of the things that I'm really interested to see here is I feel like if you want to make some inroads with what's his name, Adam or, uh, Matt, Matt. Yeah. You want to make some inroads with a batch, right? You got to make some inroads with the ladies. We saw that strategy, you know, the isolation strategy, the isolation, you know, uh, offense. Not only does that not work in the NBA, but Noah showed us that shit doesn't work on the bachelorette. So you got to be careful, man. You got to you got to forge some ties in there, some bonds, because you know what happens is these girls start gaggling, right? They start talking to one another, then you start getting down into that that one-on-one time and that's when that's when they start getting let some dirt fly on the other girls in the house i can see that coming like a mile away right and you're relying you need some allies to go in there and say look matt like that girl is cool uh it's this one crazy chick that's uh that's messing everything up and listen man you go tapping people on the shoulder with a um a sex toy on live television i don't know if uh, well not live but on tv i yeah i don't know if you're gonna get much uh much help from your girls. Yeah, I'm not sure how she felt when Matt came in there to give the toast after the introductions, and Matt went right to a prayer, and yeah. she had her vibrator. I don't know. Did she put the vibrator on the floor? No, she didn't because it would have been <laughs> But I think she held it in her hand, took the battery out, and, uh, you know. I think went- she started christening people with it like the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she dipped it in the holy water and started baptizing the contestants. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I will say, you know, the size of that vibrator. Good God! I mean, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, dude, like, I think that thing's got a light you can see from space on it. I, uh, yeah, that was, that was weird. And then, of course, it's like, why you black it out? I guess you have to, but like, it's like, 
I mean, Coach, come on, man. The producers of the show and all that, I mean, this is the type of shtick that you, you feel like they probably script, especially when a girl shows up with it and then it's like, all right, ha-ha, and then she just carries it around all night. Like, I mean, who does that? I don't even know if in my entire life I've ever seen more than one of those things. Um, that is, I probably should delete that part out because, you know, I mean, anyway, I'm going to dig myself a hole with that one. But, yeah, I mean, I don't even know what the thing looks like, but it's – you know, just well, they weird. said it's a vibrator yeah. right there. And, you know, what I'm getting at is I have never seen anyone walk around with one for any period of time. It's like, not normal. Yeah. I mean, like, I would imagine if you're at like Adam and Eve and you're going to buy one, like you can grab that some bitch off. What's the Adam shelf. and Eve? It's the sex shop. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude, I can't. Wow. All right. You know, I must not have those in the bluff. Right. I, I, or it's a good play, man. I see what you're doing there. Um, <laughs> but uh, for. <laughs> All the grandparents and parents listening out there. Sorry. Uh, My friend, mom's tuning in. A friend told mom, me that's where that's from. I'm sorry. But I think if you're going to buy one of these things, you're just going to grab it off the shelf and like beeline straight for the register. And like, yeah, please put this, please double bag this thing so no one knows that. This girl's prancing around in a mansion with a, you know, vibrator in hand. It's just weird, man. I don't know. Yeah, it is weird. And the other thing is, you know, he Matt came on there and prayed. And you know, you know, nothing, nothing against whatever, but the fact that he kept her after all that, like coming out, I mean, something's got to be a little off there. I mean, why in the hell would you keep like if that's your values and you keep a girl that's got a damn vibrator on, on, uh, you know, on the show? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but look, man, she couldn't be worse than. Uh the the queen man i mean i'm so glad that girl's still here because like i said to start she is uh man she's out there she's great for the show uh no chance that she lasts it was unbelievable some of the girls that he sent home like i mean sight unseen having not talked to any of them i would have picked her last Mm -hmm. after talking to her and then seeing some of the other ones, I would have picked her extra last. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that like, you know, like, and I get how they probably added edit and production of all this stuff. But there was some there was one girl in particular that I was like, I can't believe just based on looks alone, unless this lady has like some sort of just something real wrong with her. How do you not just look at her and say, yeah, I'm going to stick her around. Stick, stick, I'm going to let her stick around because I, I mean, I got to figure out what it is about her. Uh, that ain't worth keeping above this crazy chick. I don't know. Yeah, I and yeah, this the blackout girl that got too had too many drinks. Got to go. Can't stay. Um, the ballerina is the one I would have kept. One, I thought she had a good body. Um, two, she can dance. Um, yeah, and you know awful, the, the 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 fact that she does you know ballet. There's some discipline in that. You, you know, fitness comes into play a little bit too, and I, I like that stuff, but. Yeah, I was a little disappointed she didn't make the cut. Man, I just pulled up the list, and I guess these are the one. No, these are just all of them. So, like, Carolyn is the one with the tattoos who who I read early on. I was like, man, she's crazy. She was gone right out of the gate. Abigail, though. Man, Abigail, we got she's the one that that got the rose first because she was, you know, she's hard of hearing, right? She's deaf, yeah. Dude, well, yeah. I didn't know if I was if, I don't know if that's a technical term, but yeah, so the rose, the first rose in twenty twenty one went to uh, uh nothing wrong. God dang, I feel like a f- I love, I, I'm going no. straight to hell. She's deaf. She's and great. She's dude. great, 
great story. Yeah, I mean, brought tears to her. She made the move. Listen, Matt was timid. Okay, after coming off the Bachelorette, there was more kisses exchanged in that thing than you know players at two, at one forty five in the morning. And then we come to this guy. He's timid and he's nervous and he's praying. Listen, we need you to open up, get out of your shell, and kiss more than one girl. No one came on to the Bachelor to see it. God dang! Hey, what's your hobbies during quarantine? No, get down to the Nick Grit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was uh he's slow playing us. Uh I love Abigail. I I mean, she's a leader in the clubhouse and if he doesn't wind up picking her, it's uh it's really messed up, I think. The ones that were uh the one that I was talking about, I can't I'm looking at all their pictures and I can't remember, but is either Katie, the bank manager from Washington, or Cassandra, the social worker from Newport Beach was one of those two that got kicked off. You like Kelsey too, right? Let's see here. Where's Ke- Chelsea? Yes, yeah, Chelsea. Chelsea in America. Uh, no, not a fan. Um, uh, Matt was uh, didn't really understand. I liked Magi or Magi, the girl from Ethiopia. I thought she was great. The Kit chick is another one that really trips me out. She's the one that was 21 years old and was just like fed up with everybody. Yeah, there's more entitlement in her than oh, Lord. Uh Yeah, she's got a lot of entitlement. I'm sorry. I've got you confused. Uh, our friend Daniel Lizer, he's a big fan of uh, Chelsea. And uh, he really like the team or the girl in the show. What's her name? Kelsey, Chelsea, Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea. Yeah. Dan is a big fan of Chelsea. Wow. But uh, I'm a big. The Maggie. Is that her name? Mag, Mag, Maggie, Maggie. Oh, I think it's Maggie. Maggie. Yeah. I'm a big fan of her. Uh, yeah. She's got, she's Ethiopian. She's got a little twist to her. She got a nice accent. Um, yeah. If, if he knows what's good for him, he'll either pick her or he'll pick uh, Abigail because both of them are real. You know what I mean? They're like, they're themselves. Abigail is the one that uh, has the, the hearing problem, uh, deaf as Tyler calls it. And then, uh, you know, Maggie. I'm sorry, Maggie, hearing impaired. Hearing impaired. Impaired, and, yeah. And then Magi, uh, I, I don't think it's Magi because there's a book about that. But she's the one that's from Ethan. I mean, like, come on. She's like about real as it gets, you know? Um, yeah, she came over here just for the show. Yeah. And the other one that really surprised me was uh in that fact that she wasn't that crazy was I think she's already changed her hair color which probably makes sense so I think Cass- no it wasn't Cassandra Kelsey Who's Kelsey? Chelsea? Chelsea. Chelsea. Uh that's not it. I don't know. The the one girl that's one of the girls that stayed um anyway, I don't see her. I think she changed her hair color. Um I know her if I saw her on the show. Uh, maybe. Oh, oh, here, there's oh, more. I scroll a little. God far. dang it, guys! All right, so it's Sarah is the one I'm talking about. Gosh, I didn't realize she. MJ, was MJ ain't bad. She MJ's does hair great. too. MJ's great. Um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, Sarah was the one that I thought coming out of the gate, I was like, boy, she's gonna be something else. Oh yeah, the journalist. She's gonna add some spark. She came in there she at the is, fire, but she came. She came in sort of like you know on cruise control. Uh, she wasn't like I thought she was going to be one of the one of the vicious ones, right? That started clawing people's eyes out. So far, she's kept it under control. I mean, the cast here is great. Um, this is so much better than the Bachelorette. Uh, I think I will have a new appreciation for the Bachelorette once I see this. The Ileana girl, I thought, you know, I was I was had high hopes for her. She didn't really uh, impress me that much. Anna's crazy. 
Remember Anna was the last one he gave the rose to. She was oh yeah, staring him down, trying to get a little yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, gosh, this is going to be the gift that keeps on giving. There's a couple in there, you know, that I was like, okay, you know, you don't do much for me, and I can't believe you, you're still here. But, hey, listen, man, ain't me trying to fall in love. I've already uh, I already met my match, so we're uh, here rooting for James, a local guy here. And, and when they start falling off, I can't wait until the queen falls off because what does she look like on here? Let's see how they represented her. When she falls off, she's getting a call from Sleep Hawk Worldwide invite on the show. Yeah, bring her on. Uh, yeah, we're we're yeah, bring the queen. Um, but hey, if we have any advice for Matt, loosen up, buddy. I mean, you're so tight right now. If you farted, you'd whistle. Um, yeah, buddy, this is you find love, man. Let your guard down. You said you're not vulnerable. Um, you know, here you are. Okay. You want to find your wife. Okay. We've got a plethora of how many, I don't know, 30. Yeah. yeah. Narrow it down. Find your wife right yeah, here. Yeah, buddy. You start balling in the season, in episode two. So it uh, looks like you're going to open up real quick and be slamming the door shut again before you know it. And uh, yeah, man, just uh, play it cool, dude. Uh, you need any advice? I mean, you know where to find it. It's, yeah. Uh, Sleephawk Worldwide season two uh, is is the, your one-stop shop. And and I, I, don't, I don't even remember what was happening in the next episode. All I remember was they literally showed every single one of these people crying. And I got a feeling it's about to just get real deal Holyfield real quick. I do. I think so too. Um, yeah. And the one thing, one other thing, Matt is, uh, is your, is your laugh genuine? Because he laughs a lot. And I want to know if that's like your signature fake laugh. So we can differentiate between your, 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 I need to listen, hit us up in the DMS. Let us know. Is this a true laugh? Is this his real laugh? Yeah, I mean, we didn't know. There's a lot of things we need to know about Matt. I think we've got some degrees of separation between Matt since he's a local guy. Um, you know, we can find out a little, you know, a little bit about him and, and perhaps some of the contestants too. If some of you guys have some, you know, second or third degree connections to these folks. I mean, you know, let them know that they can get uh, extra famous. They want to come on here and uh, shed some light into their thought processes and, and some of their emotions. You know, we can counsel them through, you know, some of the things that we've been through from our own personal experiences and some of our recommendations, which, you know, I wouldn't count very far for much. But, I mean, the show's going to be great. If you haven't watched it, you know, we haven't really spoiled anything, I think, is the best part. I think we, we talked about some people that stayed, but Ray Charles could have seen who was going to stay to some extent. And, man, it all comes down to Victoria and how long she stays. Because, I mean, when she goes, the show is going to lose a key tenant, a core tenant of, uh, uh, of, you know, what keeps people coming back, which is that train wreck. Mm-hmm. High drama. She brings it. She'll stay around for a little bit. But uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm curious to see where this goes. Um, I got a lot of expectations for Matt being local, representing North Carolina. Um, put your guard down. Let's see what happens. That's it. We're going to try to get this thing live before the next episode. So this will finally make sense to anyone that like any of our loyal listeners that listen before this stuff actually uh, happens. And uh, so we're going to do our best. Um, we're going to be, uh, you know, hoping the Tar Heels win some more basketball games. And we got a few other things lined up here mm-hmm. in a fresh new season, 2021, new start, new look, new uh, everything. Same old sleep hawk worldwide here mm-hmm. on the airwaves. One and, constant. Amen. So you guys just let us know how we can deliver. And because uh, that's what we're born to do is deliver. And you got anything else, Big Hawk? I have absolutely nothing. Me either. So tune in 
next time we publish one of these things and do yourself a favor and tune into The Bachelor and we'll talk to you guys afterward. Stay safe. Stay safe.